welcome you here to Woven Church, a place where God is making new things out of the dust. I love that song that we just sang. I love that song. We sang it at summer camp. You need to see that song sung by 200 elementary school children. And the things that are happening in their lives, you know some of the stories as a camp counselor, and you can see them with their hands lifted up like this, man, that'll wreck you. And so God is in the business of making not just little children, but big children, big children new. He's in the business of making us new collectively. And so along that note, new things happening at Woven. We're in a new place. We've been here for over a month now. New things that are happening with us, a new vision, a new mission. And so today we are in part two of our vision and mission talk. Really, it's just going to be two Sundays, last Sunday and today. And the reason we're keeping it short is because this is not something that I want to indoctrinate in us. This is not something that you have to get. This is something you have to feel. It's something we're going to need to feel in our fingertips. And rather than talk about it ad nauseum, and then when we're done with the series, put the book back on the shelf and we're done with that, no. Vision and mission is something that we're going to need to activate forthgoing. I'd rather talk about it in snippets and then celebrate throughout the year those who are really bringing this to life, those who are really living this Um, this mission of insightful teaching and intentional discipleship, I'd rather celebrate that along the way as many of you are already doing this. That's the thing about a vision and a mission. It's not just far-looking. It's also current. It's who we are. One of the things that I'm learning in my life, I I, I preached it two Sundays ago, is you got to dance the way you know how. you got to follow Jesus the way you know how. A vision and a mission is uniquely tailored for each individual and each congregation. This is us. And the way we follow Jesus and the way we act this out, um, it's, it's specific. It's tailored for us. And so this vision and mission, I'm going to read it right now. If you can pull that up on the screen. Our vision and mission is to be a diverse church community for the greater Houston metro area that is desegregating Sunday sanctifying Monday to Friday, and how? How are we doing that? That's an important question. How are we going to make this future aspirational vision a reality? Three ways, and that's going to be our talk for today. If you look in your bulletin, you'll see number one, insightful teaching, number two, intentional discipleship, and three, holistic outreach. And so this is how we activate our vision through, that's the important preposition there. By the way, I like prepositions. I like, I like language. Um, when you pray, try swapping out prepositions and see what it does. Jesus, work through me. Jesus, work for me. Jesus, work in me. Jesus, work by me. Jesus, work over me. So for us, the operative preposition today is through. How is this going to become a reality? It's going to become a reality through these three mission priorities. And I call them priorities because there's lots of mission out there. There's lots of ministry. Believe me, uh, when I check our church email, there are all these B2B correspondences, business to business. They're saying, your church needs to have uh, drama ministry. 
Your church needs to have a door-to-door evangelism strategy. You need to have a, a special group meeting for this demographic. You need to have street ministry, TV evangelism. Don't, don't you want that? Well, all of these things are great, but for us, we need to know who God has called us to be and how we're going to do that. And in order to know that, we have to focus on that identity. We have to focus on that. And in that regard, I don't just call these mission. I call these mission priorities. We're not, you know, stringing an arrow and just shooting at whatever. We have a target now. And that target defines the parameters. It defines the limits. But it also shows us we can do a lot within those boundaries. And so these are three mission priorities. But before I jump into them, I want to pull a plug really quick. Before I jump into the first mission priority for next Sunday. Next Sunday, we're starting a new series called No Compromise. And it's going to be a book study through the book of Daniel. I know we did the Daniel plan. This is not me trying to get us to keep doing the Daniel plan. Actually, through the Daniel plan, I learned a lot about the book of Daniel. And so um, at, at present, I am auditing a class and uh, you know, reading the commentaries and learning so that I can teach from the wealth that, that God gives me. And so we'll be going through this Daniel series, this study through the book of Daniel next Sunday. And let me just tell you that... Um, uh, here at Woven, we do communion once a month. It used to be the last Sunday of the month. That was a little tricky because you, you didn't know if you had a fourth Sunday or a fifth Sunday. And so whether we had the children with us or not for that communion, so it was always arbitrary. So we decided we switched that. And now communion Sunday is the first Sunday of every month. And not only is it the first Sunday of every month, the first Sunday of every month will be a family service where all of our, all of our children and our youth will be together with us. In other words, we should have a full house. And when there's a full house, that's probably the best time to invite a colleague, a coworker, that mom you met at the germ pit in the mall, or that uh, friend that you've, that, that new person to Houston. The first Sunday of the month is always going to be kind of our kickoff our kickoff um, Sunday. And with everybody in the house and with communion, it should be a great way to start not just a new series, but a great way for us to kind of get our invitation and our evangelism on. So that's next Sunday. We start Daniel, uh, that, this series through Daniel, starting next Sunday. Let's dive into insightful teaching, shall we? insightful teaching. So how are we going to become this church that is diverse, that is desegregating Sunday, sanctifying Monday to Friday, that is for the greater... How are we going to do this? The first way is through insightful teaching. And everybody, anybody who's been part of Woven long enough knows that one of the things that people like about this church is the teaching. And that's part of who we are. And so when we first drafted this, and it went through several iterations with our staff and with our LT, there was some feedback that came that I think was very valuable. Let's not just say preaching, that was the first word, insightful preaching, but let's make it insightful teaching. Because if it's just insightful preaching, it makes it only about the preacher. Insightful teaching then becomes a culture throughout the church church-wide, not just from the pulpit, but whoever comes into this pulpit, but also in our woven groups and in all of these areas, we want our church to be the type of place where teaching, teaching, not just preaching, but all of our teaching is, and this is the catchphrase, 
knowledge on fire. And that's the first fill in the blank, knowledge on fire. Now, you notice there are a bunch of fill in the blanks. What are these fill in the blanks about? Um, How many of you have ever been to Gallery Furniture on I-45 North, the downtown, the original one? Gallery Furniture, yes? Okay, Gallery Furniture is a very cool place. It's not the monkeys, and it's not the apple pie and the free, you know, cafeteria food. What I love about that place is when you walk around, aside from the furniture, look at the walls. Have you guys seen the walls? And do you know what's on the walls? On the walls are all of these slogans and catchphrases, basically one-liners everywhere that talk about the company culture, um, phrases about leadership, phrases about um, good business dealings. And not only do you get to see at Gallery Furniture the way they do business, but you see it on the walls in the things that they write, slogans, one-liners that are really, really, you're like, that's so insightful, that's good stuff. Well, the thing is, here at Woven, we have some slogans and one-liners that we've already been using, but that I would like one day to have all over our walls. Inscribe them on the walls of your heart, on the palm of your hands. Use them as frontlets before your eyes. These statements, bind them to your hearts. Let them be written on your souls. These are good culture-building statements. And so, yes, our vision and mission is there, but we have these supporting statements that I think, uh, you know, they're going to just call them one-liners that I think really exemplify our culture here at Woven. Knowledge on fire is that first fill-in-the-blank, that kind of first supporting statement. And what this means, um, what it means to me is that you don't want to just have knowledge without being alive. And unfortunately, sometimes knowledge and fire are mutually exclusive categories. Or we're, we're, we're the church that's on fire, and we're on fire for Jesus, and there's all kinds of, you know, people are coming up to the front and, you know, you know, experiencing revival, but there's no content or no doctrine or no solid foundation. But they don't have to be separate. They really do not. In fact, that phrase, knowledge on fire, if I correctly attribute it, I believe it goes back to Jonathan Edwards. Jonathan Edwards was a, one of the leaders of the Great Awakenings in the 1700s in America. And if you've ever read something that Jonathan Edwards writes, you get the sense that this is knowledge. It's understanding of biblical teaching, but at the same time, it's not just dry information. You get the sense, you can hear it through the words, it's on fire. That is something we can aspire to here at Woven. That all of our teaching is insightful. What is insightful? What's the character of that? It is teaching that is knowledge on fire. Knowledge on fire. We don't want to just have biblical knowledge, but we want to be awakened. We want that to be transformative. We want what we know about God to be changing the way we live our lives radically. Otherwise, why give so much time and expenditure of energy to following Jesus if it's just so boring? Knowledge on fire. Knowledge on fire. So how do we ignite ourselves? How do we take what we know and we set it on fire? Well, I have a story. It's very true. For me, it's partially my story. When I was uh, about seven years old, 
I was forced to take piano lessons. I hated piano lessons. I hated music. Seven years old until I was about 12 years old. And as I practiced the piano every day, I knew how to play fur elise in my brain. I knew how to play the notes, but I didn't feel the music. I didn't feel it. Until, until I was in youth group at church, and it was there that I got involved in playing music in front of people, in front of the church with other people. And in the process of playing music in front of people, with other people, even teaching it, I began to, not, it, was, it was not just like, like, you know, those of you who have kids, you know what this is like. It was like I could begin to feel it. I could begin to feel it, but not only did I feel it, as I taught it to others, as I taught other people how to play instruments, as I taught others music, I felt the music in my soul. Knowledge became ignited. How do we ignite our knowledge? How does our teaching uh, insightful teaching gets set on fire. It happens through this second piece, intentional discipleship. Friends, you don't learn just by learning. You learn by doing. We learn by doing. That is the, the second fill in the blank. The second fill in the blank. Learn by doing. So if you look in your bulletin, and guys, write this down because this is our culture. These phrases are going to come up again and again. They will be written everywhere. Learn by doing, friends. Learn by doing because it's only until we activate our knowledge that it gets set on fire, that you feel the music yourself. Information alone is not activated until you start doing. And so intentional discipleship is the other side of insightful teaching. As we learn, we start to do, we start to activate. I've been having conversations with Andrew about how we can implement these principles into our woven groups. Not just Andrew, some of you as well, we've been talking about this. Implementing learning by doing. How can we get to a place where I am not the only one that has to teach should you not as well teach insightfully? Should you not as well disciple others? Maybe one of the things that Woven needs in this next season is not just a personality, Pastor Wayne, doing the teaching, and therefore we're going to go through Daniel and you're going you're gonna to lead a Woven group and you need to understand the Greek and the Hebrew behind this and the historical. No! Who wants to sit around learning about Jehoiakim and Jehoiakim and Nebuchadnezzar and Nebuchadnezzar and all these people in Babylonian history? Do you really want to know that? I mean, if you really want to know that, I could teach it. But I would rather draw out the biblical principles. I'd rather set that on fire. I'd rather you go out. I'd rather you talk about your faith, talk about what you're learning in the Bible, pray with others, I'd rather you teach others to obey Jesus. And so as we talk about woven groups, Andrew and I, we're beginning to hatch this plot. No, I'm just kidding. We're beginning to think about ways that we can release our church from being bound to one personality. 
You learn by doing. But the second catch, the second slogan that I think we're really going to need to kind of bind ourselves around is, is it reproducible? Is it reproducible? And for me to teach, you know, understand, I don't care if you know Babylonian history. I really don't care. But you know what I do care about is that you understand what it means to stand up to idolatrous kings and to say that's just not going to float. What I care about is that we, you and I, are learning to develop a backbone and to stand up to kings, to rulers or CEOs or maybe, you know, in-laws or something and to be able to speak and to say the truth and to do it in a way with candor and honestness. You know, it's interesting. One thing I'm learning about the book of Daniel is that they were In a sense, they're regarded as pacifists. Isn't that interesting? Don't go to your boss and say, I disagree with you. I want to punch you in the face. That's not going to work. There are real biblical principles you can learn. And those are the things that you need to, guys, you need to learn. When I say guys, I mean men and women. You need to learn by doing, and it needs to be reproducible, reproducible, reproducible. What is that going to look like? What is that going to, how do, how do we, how do we even do that? I'm going to share that, share some of the, some of the, some of the um, ideas that, that we've been discussing. But as I share that, I want to direct your attention to some scripture. If you can look at Acts chapter 11, Acts chapter 11. And what you'll see in Acts 11 is a story about Barnabas leaving, Barnabas was a leader in the church in Jerusalem Jerusalem was HQ, it was, the cent- it, was, it was headquarters of the Christian movement, and Barnabas leaves Jerusalem and goes down because he hears about wondrous things happening at Antioch. And while he's at Antioch and he's seeing wonderful things happening at this church, he says, Saul, we need Saul here. And the thing is, Acts chapter 11, verse 25, Barnabas left for Tarsus, he went to go to Tarsus to look for Saul. Those three words, to look for Saul, hit me about 15 years ago. 15 years ago, I was part of a ministry. I was serving, and I was experiencing conflict with authority. These days, I'm doing some inner work, very deep inner work about my authority issues, fear of authority fear of rejection. These things, they're deep. They're, 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 they, they come from deep wounds that go all the way back to childhood. You're either terrified of authority or you're... I, I think it's actually more healthy to challenge authority rather than to be fearful of authority. Or we experience rejection at the hands of authority. At certain seasons of our lives... I can't speak at general, but you know, there, as a male, sometimes we just crave older male affirmation. That's just a thing, right? Come on, guys, right? And what happens is the worst thing is when you crave older male affirmation at any season of your life, especially when there's a void for some reason and you only experience wounding or rejection. It's a very painful experience. And during that time, I was literally... I was literally, I was in Poland. I was in Europe, Eastern Europe on a mission trip. 
and I experienced such a profound male, older male authority figure rejection that I'm still working through that. I'm still, I'm rewinding back to 25-year-old Wayne Park. You know, 15-year-old Wayne Park, 5-year-old Wayne Park. You can just say getting getting back in touch with my inner child. But those three words spoke to me at that time. Barnabas went to look for Saul. And what does it mean to have somebody intentionally at this season of your life to look for you? To have somebody put their arm around you and say, talk to me. Who are you? There's a spiritual looking there. It's looking at this person who you've put your arm around and trying to understand what makes this person tick. What bondages, what, 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 what things is, what, what, what's holding this person back? What are the things that will break through? And the incredible gift it is when that actually happens. How many of you know that experience when an older woman or an older man, or maybe it doesn't even have to be an older person, a peer can mentor you. They come alongside you and they take the initiative in your discipleship, in your formation. What a wonderful gift it is to have a mentor. Right? Yes, pastor, when are you going to mentor me? (laughs) I was talking about you. When are you going to mentor somebody? When are you going to intentionally disciple somebody? When are you going to make an investment for this, that, that person that kind of comes into our service and kind of sits alone in the corner? When are you going to take the intention to invite them over for, for tea or something? Or to say, let's meet. Let's meet downtown after for lunch hour. When are you going to take that investment and go to the next step? Looking for Saul is this fill-in-the-blank, this catchphrase that I'd like us to use in our church as we talk about discipleship that is intentional. Look for Saul. Are you looking? I don't mean just saying, uh, paging, paging Dr. Saul, paging, paging, where are you? No, no, I mean taking the time to look into this person's life. Who are you? Tell me about, listen, I'm, I'm just a preacher, you know? You know, I want to, I was telling my wife this, I want to go and I want to buy a little cross and just hang it around my neck so that when I visit you guys, like people know I'm a, I'm a preacher, Right? And that's all I am. You know, I, don't, I can buy one of those stuffy collars like this. I don't want to do that. I want to get those hippie crosses. Right? So people know that I'm a preacher. But you know what? People will only listen to a preacher so much. What if you, what if you in the, in the field of finance or as a mom of three or somebody who is in pharmacy or somebody who is a, 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 a VP of a company or somebody who is a mechanic that says, I, come here, man. Come to my shop, and I've got 20 minutes. Let's visit a bit. I want to hear your career ambitions. I want to hear your journey. I want to take the time to spend, to invest in you. Church is not about 1.14 until 2.30 on a Sunday afternoon. I'm getting tired of that. We will not grow. I'm just going to, let's have a real conversation, guys. We're not going to grow if our only outreach strategy is Google advertising and Facebook social media advertising, and that's it. We're not going to grow. The only way we grow is with each 
intentional looking for Saul that we make happen. It's not just a spiritual looking. It's a locational looking as well, friends. A locational. Barnabas had to go to another part of town. He had to go to Tarsus to find Saul. And I think in that sense, there's something, on, there's something there. We, we are here now on Eldridge, much more centrally located. There's a sense where we can do a lot more. We have staff meetings now on Monday and Friday. It's, got, it's, it's, so, it's, 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 it's awesome. It's really good, the stuff we talk about. But now we have a place, I mean, we're talking in Kingdom City about a Wednesday night prayer meeting, something where we can all join together and really just cry out to God. We have the central location where we can do things here, wonderful, but let us not forget we have to take it to the streets. Let us not forget that we have to sometimes go out into the highways and the byways. For me, I'm personally challenged. I've shared this with a few people. I'll I'll share it at large One new goal that I've set for myself for the next 12 months, 12 months is at least once every month, I want to visit three strategic areas in our city. And I want to just sit down for one hour and I want to meet with you. I want us to have some kind of group activity, whether it's prayer or talking about our work or our lives But once a month, I want to be in the tunnels. And if you're in that area, then please talk to me. I want to gather. Once a month, I want to meet in the med center slash midtown area. I know it's hard. I've heard it's very difficult to coordinate schedules. Once a month, I want to be here. I want to meet meet with a group of people on the energy corridor. Why do I want to do this? It sounds like, Pastor, it's all about you. No. I want to do some initial discipleship so that after I'm done, you can take over this stuff. For 12 months, if I can just provide a basic soul question that you in turn can ask somebody else, that is the way we multiply. That, I think, is the direction for us to go. Meeting regularly and saying, how is your soul? What is going on at work? That is a challenge right now. And praying for each other. Now, lest you think it's just about, it's just about the marketplace, it's not. This extends to numerous other areas as well. Play places. <laughs> when I was raising small children, we used to call them the germ pits at the mall. And yet you meet there. Why? Because the children are playing and you need time. What a perfect time to invest in somebody, to hear somebody say, oh, oh, don't fall, don't fall off that, don't jump off that, that's, so anyway, tell me more about your story. Or the cafes, the cafes, I was uh, waiting for my car state inspection to be done, next door there's a coffee shop in Cinco Ranch called Kona Coffee, as I waited, I watched the coffee shop pack, pack with, with um, suburban women, and they were having an awesome time. Meeting throughout the week, sanctifying Monday to Friday, taking it to the streets. This is something we're all going to have to do. And it's not going to surround a personality. Friends, what we're talking about here is looking for Saul. Learning by doing, and it has to be reproducible. From now on, anything that we do, from here 
out into the pews has to be reproducible. So I want to conclude, but before I do that, let me just recap, lest you missed anything. How are we activating our mission of being a diverse church for the greater Houston metro area that is sanctifying Monday to Friday and that is desegregating Sunday? How are we doing that? Through, number one, insightful teaching. And what does insightful teaching look like? It looks like knowledge on fire. How else are we achieving our vision? Through intentional discipleship. What does intentional discipleship look like? It looks like looking for somebody, looking for Saul. It means learning by doing. The pastor's not going to do this. We have to do this. And it means whatever we do here at Woven has to be, from here on out, reproducible. The Hebrew background of Daniel is not reproducible. But Bible study is. Prayer is. Obeying Jesus and teaching people to obey Jesus. Isn't that the heart of the matter? Man, I hate my job. Man, I hate my work. I hate my boss. I hate what's going on in my life. I hate my family. I hate my circumstances. Well, do you know at this time what it means to surrender to the Lord of Lordship of Jesus? Well, what does that mean exactly? Well, let me share with you. You know, there's this thing called surrender. We all have to do it. Third and last, how are we going to achieve our vision? And it is through holistic outreach, holistic outreach. Actually, in our early iteration of this vision and mission, it was just um, insightful teaching and intentional discipleship. Both of those words have in, 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 in. Doesn't that just sound like a bunch of hoity-toity suburban elitist. Um, you know, we realize that this is too inward focused. And if we're just talking about insightful teaching and, 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 and intentional discipleship, you know, really we're just, I'm just going to read what I wrote here. We are just hoity-toity wealthy elitists from the burbs who are obsessed with ourselves and our own development and personal maturation, ever learning but never doing. It is not enough for us just to do in stuff. We have to do out. And we asked the question, are we, ready? Do, are we ready to start really taking on this mission of outreach? This vision of, this mission, really. I mean, we're talking about mission statement. How can you have a mission statement without mission, right? And so I talked about missional, us being a missional LT pushback. What does that even mean, that seminary speak? Okay, we changed that outreach which I like because the first, two mission, the first two mission priorities, they talk about insightful, intentional, in, in, in. Here you have the word that spells it out. We have to be an outward-looking church, and that's something that we're also going to um, gear ourselves towards forthgoing. It's not just outreach. Each of these words, you realize they have a qualifier. So we said, what kind of outreach? How about comprehensive outreach? Sounds too political. So we came up with the word holistic. And when we came up with that, I remember, um, you know, it was like the light bulbs went off. Yes, that's what it is. Why? Why holistic outreach? And I'm nearing the end here. Why do we talk about holistic outreach? 
This is why. Because on the way to church today, you drove through that intersection, especially if you came from the south side, you very likely did. And you passed somebody holding a sign or a cup. And no, they were not delivering you your coffee. Inside the cup was rattling change. And you thought to yourself, I'm going to church. Oh, man, I got to give. So out of guilt, you rolled down the window and you emptied your change drawer, didn't you? Or if you didn't do that, what you did is you kept the AC on, you kept the window closed, and you just looked straight forward and you didn't make eye contact until he knocked on your window. And then out of guilt, you said, next Sunday, I'll buy him a sandwich. And that's what you did. Next Sunday, you came, you went to Dunkin' Donuts, which is right by here. I love Dunkin' Donuts. And you bought a croissant sandwich and you were prepared. And you said, here, buddy, uh, Jesus loves you. And you gave him the croissant sandwich. And you did the right thing, Right? Right? I'm not going to disclose what I think you should do because I want you to wrestle through this thing called charity and giving and what that means for you. I want you to wrestle with that. But I will say this much. I will say this much that giving money will likely not solve the root problem. Likely it will not solve the root problem. Giving a sandwich may. It may help with immediate physical relief. And yes, the church is called to do that. In fact, after Hurricane Harvey, there were a number of you that will remember the work that we did in the third ward and gathering all these. Why? Because it was immediate. There was immediate need or else these people, you know, it was a food desert. There, there was no, no possible means to acquire Toilet paper or, you know, feminine products or water. So they needed immediate relief. But the question we must ask ourselves is in this situation, is it immediate relief that is required or is it more of a holistic care? A long-term, a holistic approach. What is needed, friends? I believe both are needed. But I think one of those encapsulates the bigger picture better, holistic outreach. Outreach that is holistic is not just about meeting physical needs, but it also asks the question, now how are we going to make this sustainable in the long term? And um, I can't get into this too much. I don't want this to be, I don't want this to be like, oh, Pastor Wayne's just talking about ideas. We're doing this now, guys. We're doing it. I'm not going to get into the details of that, but we are doing it. I think we're doing it well. Two slogans that I want to wrap up with. The first slogan, and you've heard this, we're about hand-ups and not handouts. Hand-ups and not handouts. Why? Because money oftentimes does not solve the root problem. I don't know how many of you know this. There was a season of my life that I was on food stamps. I was living on the West Coast. I had babies, new babies, my student loans ran out. I had to work different jobs to make basic ends meet. We were on women, infants, and children, WIC, getting our milk through there. Oh, pastor, why don't you get a real job? You know why I didn't get a real job? Fear. Entitlement. 
codependency. You see how there's a spiritual dimension to working with people. There's a spiritual dimension. And if you're just going to give this guy 20 bucks, is that going to solve fear, entitlement, codependency? So friends, we're about hand-ups, not just handouts. And the last thing I want to end is, I think this is comprehensive. It's not just about outreach. It's about all of our church strategy. Trigger motivation and responsibility. That's the last thing. I think what we are in the business of doing is not getting people saved per se, It's about providing the venue, providing the materials, providing the resources so that people can have a genuine spiritual spiritual experience. And therefore, in order to be in a place where you are healthy enough that you can really have a spiritual awakening, a spiritual awakening is that there has to be motivation triggered. There has to be a sense of responsibility. That's what Jonathan Edwards was on to 300, 400 years ago with the Great Awakening. I mean, he did it in a much harsher way. We can't do it today like that. He preached sin. And in the, as a result, people felt responsibility. Now, mind you, I think we can do that a little bit better today. There's a difference between responsibility and shame and guilting. But all to say that what, we, what, what he triggered successfully, which is what we also ought to trigger, is a sense of responsibility, and we trigger motivation. That's what we do. People follow through the rest of the way. We create an atmosphere and an environment where there is motivation and responsibility. Why should I do it for you when you can do it yourself? Why should I talk about discipleship and why should I disciple all of you? You're ready to disciple others. Trigger motivation and responsibility. Friends, I want to close on that note. Actually, before I close on that note, introduce you to this book. One of the best books, if you want to read more about this, if you can pull up that picture, is um, When Helping Hurts. When Helping Hurts. Very good book. In fact, they have a study guide. So if that's something you want to look into, you know, Remember when helping hurts. But I close with this thought. Service is just about over. But guys, you own this church. Motivation. I'm I'm not talking about, don't, 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 don't do it for woven. But you own the kingdom of God. You own the Jesus message until you feel that, like, like you know, until you feel that and you say, this, this, is, this, is, this is mine. This message, this gospel is mine. Only then will you have that motivation and that responsibility. Do you hear what I'm saying? Look at me. We're talking motivation and responsibility. The kingdom of God is yours. Do not just play furlies. Feel the music. Feel the call. Close your eyes. So as we close out this vision and mission series today, listen, I'm done. I'm not going to do an extended. I'm going to talk about these things uh, in snippets here and there. I'm going to challenge 
our church, our leadership team will challenge, our staff, all of us are going to start talking about the vision and saying, hmm, is this reproducible? If somebody says to me, is this reproducible, I will give you a kiss. Yes, great question. Right? Or, if, or we're going to ask ourselves, really, is this knowledge on fire? Are we looking for Saul? Friends, this is what we're about. I'm not going to bring it up anymore. Uh, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm not going to beat it over the head. You get this, right? You get this. This is our vision. This is our mission as we move forward, as we move forward, especially here in this new place. I think it's timely that we have a new vision and a new mission here in Kingdom City on 2100 Eldridge. It is vital for us as a church to know exactly who we are in order to operate in a healthy way in this church collective system. Did you hear what I just said and how important that is? You've got multiple congregations. You can have all kinds of enmeshments and codependencies and all kinds of unhealthy dynamics. How do you get healthy? You get healthy by knowing yourself, by self-awareness. The same applies for any family system. You're not going to fix your family by fixing that person. You self-define. Our vision and our mission is our way of self-defining and getting healthy. As we get healthy, as we self-define, we will operate, I think, in the healthiest way possible in this church collective that is called Kingdom City. And so I invite you this time, please, can you pray if you've made Woven your home to spend a few minutes as the worship team sings this next ministry song to really lift up our church in prayer. Lift up your voice. Don't be shy. For the Lord wants to do great things, but can't do it just through one person. Together we are better. That's another good slogan, by the way. So together, let's pray for Woven. And let's really ask God to take these words, these drippings, these feeble words that we've strung together, and let's ask Him to set it on fire so that it's knowledge on fire and that we are getting healthier as we self-define and in the process... This vision becomes mission and outreach. Let's pray now. Let's pray for our church. So, Lord, we pray for woven. We pray that, Lord, you would ignite. Jesus, we ask that you would set on fire, not just what we know with our minds, but our hearts. Lord Jesus, I pray for all of these people here. Lord Jesus, you would impose them. Lord, at this time, we lift up woven to you. We lift up this collective of Christians gathered. We pray that all of these slogans now would be activated, that they would not just be words, but that they would now be set on fire. I pray that we would not just get this, but that we would feel it. Lord, help us to learn by doing Help us, Lord, to do things and models here at Woven that are reproducible so that I don't have to be the only one. Just, just uh, It's not about me. It's not about the personality. Lord, help us to look for Saul now. We get caught up in so many things, but help us now to get into intentionality once again, not just within our church, but outside of our church. I pray that you would bring to mind for some of us here those Saul's 
I really need to look for that guy. I need to look out for her. Help us, Lord, to outreach well. Help us, Lord, to empower, not to just give away, but to help up, to give access to the pool, to the pond. To not just give the fish, but to give the fishing pole and to open the gates wide open. To open the gates wide open, Lord. Help us, Lord, to be people that do a good job of triggering motivation and responsibility. so grateful for this church. We're so grateful for you. You be glorified through it. You be glorified through it. You be glorified through this church. You, you alone. You alone. No one is more worthy.